energy. We walked around for 35 minutes just in the parking lot looking for this car. The passion. UVN schedules the way they do to get as high a seed as possible in the NCAA tournament and to get as much tournament prep as they can because they're not going to get it from their league. The opinions on all your favorite teams. The organization should be taking care of Matt rather than Matt taking care of the organization. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show back at it on a Tuesday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show today, just 40 minutes. We're up until 6.10. Then we kick it to Red Sox Yankees. First of two from Fenway. We'll get you ready for that. We do have another full show coming up on Thursday, everybody. So be aware of that. Another full show coming on Thursday. We'll talk Patriots with Pat's broadcaster, Bob Sosi, here in about 15 minutes. We'll get his takeaways from what he saw Sunday in Miami. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. It's 802 585 3026 at your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, my Twitter account. You can watch the show anywhere every day single day as well five four three two one and here we go opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by sticks and stuff and by Swanton Lumber Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg Derby Middlesex St. Albans and at Swanton Lumber they're online at sticksandstuff.com breaking news from field Yates of ESPN that Patriots running back Ty Montgomery the guy who scored the only touchdown for the Pats on Sunday is being placed on injured reserves. This means that Montgomery is going to be out at least four games here. So Ty Montgomery out for at least a month. He's got a knee issue. He had a knee issue at the end of preseason, came back. A lot of people were surprised he was active in week one. Well, now he scores a touchdown, and he goes on injured reserve out for at least four weeks. Patriots have active in-house options to replace Ty Montgomery. Pierre Strong was a healthy scratch the other day, to use a hockey term, so he could just be made active. Kevin Harris, J.J. Taylor on the practice squad, they could be made active as well. But look, so the Patriots have answers. This is not a death blow to the organization, but it is interesting, right? Like, it is a negative. You have a guy who had a role, third down back, could catch out of the backfield, can run between the tackles, veteran experience, and now that guy's not there for a month. Whenever you lose active players, I never consider it good. Is it the biggest loss the Patriots could have had? No, but it's still a loss. It's a guy who found a way into the end zone, and no other Patriots player did that. No other better, no other Patriots player did that. So Ty Montgomery's out. I'd be curious about what Pierre Strong could do. I'd be curious if Ramondre Stevenson takes the mantle of the third down back, a guy who can catch out of the backfield. I'd be curious about how Bill Belichick and company handled this, but we're just learning a little bit about this. Out for four weeks, knee issue for Ty Montgomery. Hopefully he's back soon and can make a difference for the Patriots for you know the last you know 10 to 12 games of the season, but he's not going to be around for the next month. We are, however, starting to get some real breadcrumbs now about the Kendrick Bourne situation. We wonder why Kendrick Bourne's not playing. Why is Kendrick Bourne in the doghouse? We're getting those breadcrumbs, and now things are starting to make sense. Here's Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston. 
He's got part of the story and what you're about to hear. About Kendrick Bourne not being fully on board with the way the install was going here, looking at his role and seeing it diminish, um, seeing it diminish with two tight ends on the field. Um, there was a meeting prior to the Carolina Panthers game that he was just a smidge late to that I think, you know, I was told that resulted in the benching that night. Um, all of those things, I think, combined have landed him in Matt Patricia's doghouse. But are we talking about somebody who's gotten sideways with a particular coach and Belichick wants to give Matt the latitude to make his own decisions on how he proceeds? Or are we talking about a guy who's an active pain in the ass? I don't know, but we're looking at a guy whose production and the fact that he was in mothballs on Sunday certainly caught the eye of the owner, from what I understand. And I'd be surprised if he stays down for much longer. So here's what we've got, right? We've got Tom Curran saying that. We've got some add-ons I'll tell you about in a second. So let's reset. Kendrick Bourne isn't thrilled about the Patriots' new offensive change. I apparently owe Greg Bedard the Boston Sports Journal an apology and a creamy because when he said that Bourne was disgruntled three weeks ago, I laughed at him and said, what are you talking about? So apparently I owe Greg Bedard an apology. So Bourne's not thrilled about the offensive scheme changes because the team plays more two tight end sets now. With more two tight end sets, there's less wide receivers on the field, so Kendrick Bourne is off the field more. So Kendrick Bourne's not real thrilled about that. So that's number one. Then Bourne is late to a meeting before the Carolina game. Got that. Bourne also gets thrown out of practice against Carolina for fighting. Got that. So Kendrick Bourne is in Matt Patricia's doghouse. Then Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, I believe, he adds that Bourne isn't unhappy with the coaching staff themselves. He's unhappy about his lack of targets, which would make sense. If he's not on the field because they're playing so much too tight end, how could he get targets? So that makes sense, too. Callahan then adds that the team came out of training camp feeling like Bourne was their fourth best wide receiver behind Devontae Parker behind Nelson Aguilar, and behind Jacoby Myers. So two tight end set, more two wide receiver sets, and Kendrick Bourne is the fourth best. You're seeing this add up now. Bourne's not on the field. He's not even the next guy up in the, in the, you know, in the two wide receiver sets, and he's not getting the ball. And then you have the final thing that Tom Curran said. Robert Kraft has now taken note of Kendrick Bourne's lack of playing time. And Curran says, basically, I'd be surprised if that continues, right? Like, I'd be surprised if that continues. Can we play the very end of that again? What I understand. Ooh. And I'd be surprised if he stays down for much longer. So Robert Kraft's going to make a phone call. He's going to make a phone call to Bill Belichick and say, what's going on? Play Play the man that I'm paying $20 million to total. So that's the story. Mad about targets, mad about rolling the offense, disgruntled about that, late to practice or late to a meeting, thrown out of practice, and now Robert Kraft's going to step in. So that's the story. And I got to say, absolutely none of that story that I just told you is good. Absolutely none of that story. First, I get that Robert Kraft writes checks, and I get that he wants his investments to see the field. I totally get that. But Robert Kraft is the owner. 
Robert Kraft is not the head coach. Robert Kraft pays people to make football decisions. Robert Kraft is supposed to, in theory, trust their judgment. And if they think that Kendrick Bourne isn't as good as the other guys, then Robert Kraft is not supposed to call down to Bill Belichick's office and override him. That look, We hear all the time, owners of companies say, hey, I employ people to make decisions for me. I, I let them do their thing. Robert Kraft apparently is no longer letting Bill Belichick do his thing. That's a problem. If Robert Kraft feels the need to make phone calls down to Bill Belichick's office, then he's playing the part of the meddling owner. That is not a healthy relationship. That is not a thing that can sustain itself for very long. Bill Belichick has always enjoyed the freedom to make decisions largely free of meddling ownership. Heck, Robert Kraft didn't even get in Bill's way when it came to Tom Brady. So Kendrick Bourne is apparently the line of demarcation here for Robert Kraft. If Robert Kraft is now questioning Belichick, and now questioning Belichick's judgment and decision-making, and if he's going to tell Belichick, play Bourne or else, that's a problem. Right? It's been 20 years that Robert Kraft has trusted Bill Belichick. If he no longer does, that is an issue. If he plays the meddling owner, that is an issue. And then there's the Bill Belichick side side of things here, too, and that's not good either. Bill Belichick spent Robert Kraft's money last year, and he brought in a whole bunch of shiny new toys. It is Bill Belichick's job to figure out a way to use all of the players that have been invested in. If Bill Belichick has greenlit an offensive scheme change that doesn't utilize all these players, that's not good either. Bill Belichick spent a lot of money that wasn't his last offseason. I get why Robert Kraft is upset. Like, you spent my money and you're not going to use these things? I am ticked. I get why Robert Kraft is mad. But last year, Bill didn't really have a role for Jonu Smith. If you were going to play two tight ends, if you weren't going to play two tight ends last year, why'd you pay two tight ends? This year, if you're going to play two tight ends, why did you end up with four wide receivers? If this team only truly needs two to three, they didn't need to draft Tyquan Thornton. They didn't need to draft. They didn't need to trade for Devontae Parker. They could have traded Nelson Aguilar. They could have traded Kendrick Bourne. If they don't need Kendrick Bourne, why is Kendrick Bourne still here? This is a Bill Belichick problem also. It doesn't seem like there's a real plan. I understand you need depth. I'm all for depth. But when you're paying $20 million to Kendrick Bourne, over the life of a contract, he needs to be more than just a paperweight. If you didn't need him anymore, then trade him and get a sixth-round pick for him. Get the cap relief. If you didn't need Nelson Aguilar, then trade him. If you didn't need Devontae Parker, then don't acquire him. So Robert Kraft's in the wrong here for playing meddling owner, and Bill Belichick's not off the hook either. He spent a lot of money that wasn't his, and now he apparently doesn't have a role for all the guys he spent on. That's not good. That's not good. And then there's, you know, and then there's Bill and Kraft both signing off on Matt Patricia being in charge of the offense. And I don't know that Matt Patricia is just not being overly sensitive to this thing. Maybe this isn't a big deal, and it's Matt Patricia's problem. In which case, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick should have sniffed this out and not allowed Patricia to have this role if he was so sensitive. I don't know that that's the case. 
but it certainly is a possibility. None of this is good. You have a player who doesn't like his role. You have a coach in Matt Patricia who it feels like is trying to prove a point to said player. You have a GM in Bill Belichick who paid a bunch of people and doesn't have room on the field for everybody. You have an offense that doesn't have room for Kendrick Bourne, its best player practically a year ago. And by the way, Robert Kraft makes a phone call. Hey, play Bourne more. Well, now what's going to happen? The new offense we spent months installing just goes away in one week? Is that what's going to happen here? If Robert Kraft calls down, hey, play more three and four wide receiver sets. Let's get Bourne on the field. Let's play a little more spread offense. So then the new offense just goes away. Is that is that how this works? Or the new offense stays, Bourne doesn't play, and Belichick and Kraft are fighting. And it becomes a Jerry Jones and every Cowboys coach relationship. None of this is good. Robert Kraft's pulling a power play and pulling rank on Belichick. Don't like that. Belichick clearly didn't spend wisely. Don't like that. Matt Patricia, I feel like, is probably trying to prove a point that doesn't need to be proven. Don't like that. Like, none of this is good as far as I'm concerned. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Okay, earlier today, I spoke with Patriots broadcaster Bob Sosi. I spoke with Bob earlier today, before we knew about the Ty Montgomery news. So it was a great interview with Bob. I'm going to play it for you in a second. But you're not going to hear a question about Ty Montgomery because that news had not come out yet. The old names are gone. Brady takes the snap, backpedals, fires left, catch made by White, turns to the inside, dives across the goal line. Touchdown, Patriots! But there's new hope in Foxborough. Stevenson with a great run to the outside. Still on the go. For the latest on the Patriots, we talk to the voice of the Patriots, Bob Sosi, on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right. Earlier today, I spoke with Bob Sosi. I started out the conversation by saying, hey, Bob, Mac Jones' back appears okay. Just back spasms, x-rays negative, so crisis averted here for the Patriots. But with the offensive line play, with the issues in communication, etc., are you worried about Mac Jones' physical health moving forward if he's going to take you know this kind of uh, you know this kind of beating all season long? Yeah, I think you're worried about a couple of different things, Brady. I think even you know, this goes back even to the practices before they started the preseason, and then of course once they got into preseason and training camp. I, I think it's, it's also the emotional state the mental state of the quarterback with so many changes this year, some of the frustration we heard vocally, uh, some of it that we saw through the verbal, uh, through the physical language, the body language, as well at various points. I think that you worry about pass protection. You worry about, you know, the the missed assignments, as you've noted. I mean, there were a couple of free runs at the quarterback, one of which, of course, because of a missed assignment on that blitz by Brandon Jones leads to a touchdown for the Dolphins, one of the you know, very critical plays in that game. And there were other times, high load on a, on a, on a launching personal foul by Javon Holland that gets nullified because or gets offset because of a holding call on, on, on that particular uh, you know play. There was an offensive penalty as well on that particular play to offset it. Uh, there are a couple of other shots uh, were you know, Emmanuel Ogba, one of the best pass rushers in the league, gets to the quarterback uh, really untouched. So there's a lot of things to clean up from the physical standpoint. Uh, the spacing of the receivers, uh, very poor in the preseason, 
Uh, and again, I think in that game at times, a couple of former quarterbacks have pointed that out now in the analysis business, JT O'Sullivan, uh, Dan Olofsky. Uh, and I think you look overall, it's just, just the, the, the frustration of, of a single day coming off the preseason in the training cab. And you're right, the Patriots are very fortunate, Max fortunate that the x-rays were negative. The reports are encouraging in the immediate aftermath of that injury now. And he's tried to say the right thing, certainly began the week saying the right things. But just watching some of the throws, too, off the back foot, you know, those those long heaves downfield as the game went along the fourth and three play with nowhere to go with it as the Dolphins played coverage and uh, ultimately knocked away a pass intended for Hunter Henry. I, I think as those things add up, if they continue to add up, and they're going up against a good defense this week, even if it's without T.J. Watt. I think you're, you're concerned about the physical state, but also, like I said, the emotional and mental state. You know, how tenuous is this Kendrick Bourne situation? Bourne is saying the right things publicly. He, he isn't, you know, being playing a malcontent. But Phil Perry had reported that some of his teammates are now starting to question what is going on behind the scenes here and why isn't this guy playing. So you I, you don't want that permeating the locker room. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that, you know, right now uh, around this team, uh, you know, have an opportunity or the, 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 have the potential, I should say, excuse me, to to perhaps mushroom, uh, if you will, if, if, the, if the Patriots don't correct the things that we talked about with your first question. Don't turn things around against Pittsburgh and, and, and play a much better game in week two. It is still very, very early. I think Bill Belichick in his comments regarding Kedrick Warren on one of the local stations here, I'm not going to mention the call letters because it's not <laughs> my station, um, you know, indicated, he said something that I, I think gives you an indication that we're going to see more of Kendrick Warren uh, in, the, in, the, in the coming days, perhaps uh, you know, more so in Pittsburgh. They really, you know, used the two tight ends a lot more than they had at any point last year. The percentage of snaps for Henry and Smith on the field, uh, very different from a year ago. And, you know, they have to involve those, those, those players. They're paying them a lot of money. And they went with Aguilar and Parker, excuse me, uh, Parker and Myers as, as the two receivers. Uh, almost exclusively with those two tight ends on the field. Well, we'll see now if they change things up and try to spread it out a little more. Uh, but you're right, Kendrick Bourne goes in, and I think this adds to it. He goes in and he makes a big play. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand why he was held out of the second preseason game. He had a rough week of practice, to say the least. He was pulled out of a, a, a rep because of an equipment issue. Uh, Belichick got on him in the practice uh, during the joints between the Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, then, of course, threw a punch. And it's part of uh, one of several uh, uh, fights during those joint practices held out uh, that week from the game. But he went back against the Las Vegas Raiders in joint practices, seemingly had some energy, made some positive plays in those two days in Las Vegas of practice, and then had a chance to play in the game. Now he comes into this game, of course. We're talking about why he didn't play more. He did play the two snaps one of which produced the long game. The Patriots turned it over on the very next uh, play, or at least uh, uh, you know, one of the next snaps after that. And uh, you know, from that standpoint, now going forward, what happens you know, either exasperates that situation or perhaps it alleviates it. Bob Sosi, voice of the Patriots, with us as he is every Tuesday at this time on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. You know, I- I'm not smart enough to pick up on every little nuance but i'm curious did we see a lot of elements of the new offense on sunday you know i I was picturing them to look like the rams or the 49ers and outside of a couple of tunnel screens 
I didn't really get that impression that it was much different than a year ago, was it? Let, let me let me say I, I, I've never and I and, and I understand what people the, the outside zone only there's definitely have looked to do more of that. But the idea that the Patriots were going to become Sean McVay's offense or Kyle Shanahan's offense, I, I, I just did not, not bought into that from the start. Were they going to do it more? Yeah, like they used to do like 2010-11 uh, when they would run outside zone. And they have always had outside zone in the playbook. They just have not run it as often. Now, again, more of an emphasis far and away. This is not to criticize the people who have noted that because there has been far more of an emphasis on it in the spring and certainly – during training camp. Uh, but given the problems, especially with the, the outside zone runs, those stretch plays and, and the miscommunication, the problems blocking them, as we saw, for example, in the Raiders game, I don't think it was, it's really that surprising that we didn't see much of it. We saw, I've had, I think we saw more of it than, than I was expecting uh, against the Dolphins. And they actually ran it you know, fairly effectively in comparison to what we had seen. But I, I, I really, I think that, you know, the, the impression of the Patriots, we're going to overhaul the offense to become like Shanahan's 49ers or Shanahan's Broncos going back to the day yeah. or, you know, McVay and Lafleur's offenses in, in, in Los Angeles and Green Bay. I always thought that that was misguided. I, I will say too, Brady, I think that, you know, we didn't see some of the things that I was expecting with the new offense, in terms, especially as the game went along. Now, they picked up the tempo at times. Uh, they got the drive to score the touchdown when they sped up the pace a little bit. But we've, we've heard a lot about wanting to play faster. And, you know, as the game went along, I didn't, I didn't see that urgency in the offense at times. Uh, you know, I, again, uh, it, it's really about uh, communication and uh, the the terminology they use as well. Talking about the changes, the streamlining of the offense, and, and they had some issues as we know. So, uh, you know, they've they've got a long way to go. It's very much a work in progress. On a positive note, I thought the defense played better than I was expecting. I thought. Coming into the season, the offense would be the, the better of the two units. And the defense impressed me. The long drive before a half, the fourth and seven, that's inexcusable. But at the end of the day, the defense gave up just one touchdown. And you should be able to win a game when you give up just one touchdown. I thought the defense was better tackling in space. At time. You know, Kyle Duggar did some nice things. What did you think of the defense overall? Did I read it right? I, I think, you know, for the most part, but there's still too many critical errors in key situations. The you Carl know, Davis jumping offsides was bad. Yeah, yeah you know, again, unforced. You have Carl Davis uh, offsides, unforced penalty, coming out of a timeout. He's over the ball. Yeah. That's inexcusable. It's fourth and one. I'm sure they told him, don't move until the snap. Yeah. He knew it as soon as, as soon as the penalty happen he came off to the sideline uh, the not only the, the the fourth down play with the waddle catch with a poor angle it appears according to duggar and that runaway touchdown a, a huge play before the half obviously but the play that preceded it it's mm-hmm. 19 and the dolphins pick up good yardage 12 yards to cedric wilson to maybe change the thinking for mcdaniel maybe if he's on the the minus side of the 50 in that case he decides to be concerned you know to be conservative and try to pin the patriots deep and punt it away but now you're on the plus side of the 50 time is winding down you're out of field goal range or at least you're on the fringe of the field goal range of your kicker jason sanders and so you like to snap it and Waddle makes the catch and runs away from two defenders who collide. 
again, in, 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 in what, what should have been a safe defensive call there. And then I think also after the Patriots score the touchdown, the Dolphins come right back and they get a field goal. And there were just too many other times, too, where, where the Dolphins got off the field or could not get off, the Patriots could not get the Dolphins off the field. On, on key third downs, they were seven for fifteen. For fifteen, I think on third and fourth downs, and I think when you look at defense, it's it's about points and it's about third downs more than anything else. And the Patriots' defense certainly did a really good job in terms of keeping the Dolphins out of the end zone overall. But I think again, like it was very similar to some of the losses last year, Brady. In my opinion, uh, when it when it comes to those critical moments, just not being able to make that that play. Hey, real quick, it was on your station. Felger and Maz were talking about this yesterday. Oh, no. Dol- <laughs> Dolphins' decision to go for it on fourth and seven. In your estimation, is that more of a shot at the Patriots' offense? Like, no. hey, if we don't get this, we don't trust you? Or is it, I just want to be aggressive. It's my first game. I want to show you that I believe in you. I, I, no, I, I don't think it's a shot at the Patriots' offense. You know, and, and, you know I mean, look, I think, I think McDaniel is, is reputed – and, you know, to be like a lot of the young coaches, they're aggressive. Yeah. We, and, and I think we've seen coaches pay when they haven't been aggressive. Um, and I think, you know, we saw we certainly saw it in the Monday night game, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of that game with Nathaniel Hackett. We saw the opposite of that with Brian Dable as well, of course, in, in a Sunday game when he picked up the win by going for two. Um, not same circumstances, but I think at least, you know, uh, some relevance. I, I think I think in this case, again, time being what it was, you're out of field goal range. Now, maybe if it's Tom Brady and it's an explosive Patriots offense, yeah, maybe that does change your thinking and, and you just try to pin them deep. But the, Dolphin, the Dolphins in that situation, uh, you know, I think fourth and seven, you're thinking about it now, like I said before, if it's if it's fourth and, and much long, and longer, which it should have been because you had a third and 19, it doesn't even enter your mind. But you're on the plus side of the 50. Uh, again, I think you have a lot of co- – I also let's, – let's let's not slight the Dolphin defense. Yep. That's a good defense. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very good defense the second half of last year. Look at the stats from the second half of last year, an exceptional defense. When the Dolphins won seven in a row last year, it wasn't because of their offense. It was because of the defense. I think the defense was still the strength of the Dolphins on Sunday. So was it a, a lack of confidence of the, in the Patriots offense or the, you know, a commentary on the state of the Patriots offense? Perhaps. But let's not forget, it's also a statement about your offense and even maybe more so your defense. But I know that, that, that you know, if, if we're in Miami, you're talking that way. If you're in New England and Boston and, and it's, you know, the narratives are what they are. And in, in a lot of cases, they're justified for the Pats. The way things have gone thus far through the preseason and only one game of the regular season. But I, I think that one is a bit of a stretch to try to be consistent to parallel the others. But that's what Felger and Maz do so well. Yeah, that's what it, that is what they do very well. Bob <laughs> Zosi, they are the best. Voice of the Patriots, uh, Patriots, Steelers, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Bob, we'll look forward to hopefully a better performance and a happier talk next week. All right, Brady. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. That was my talk earlier today with Patriots broadcaster Bob Sosi. Bob's with me every Tuesday here on the Brady Farkas Show. And the full interview always available on our podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I, I agree with Bob, by the way. I do not believe that going forward on fourth and seven before the half was like some shot at the Patriots saying, hey, if we don't get this, we don't trust that you can go down the field. I didn't read it that way. I think that was all about Mike McDaniel sending a message to his own team. Saying, look, I'm here to change the culture. I'm here to win. I believe in you. 
I think the risk reward there was great enough for McDaniel to say, hey, if we don't get this, at least I've sent a message to them that I trust them and I believe in them. And hey, my quarterback Tua, who's never had anybody believe in him in this league, I'm showing him that I do. I, I did not think it was a referendum on the Patriots. I thought it was more about sending the right message to his own team. I agree with Bob there. Bob in Moncton says, Brady, lower your blood pressure. It's week one. Patricia, Kraft, and Belichick all have longtime relationships with each other. They'll figure it out. Hey, Bob, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady had a longtime relationship with one another. And Robert Kraft had a longtime relationship with Tom Brady. And guess what? They didn't figure it out. Okay? Whenever there's a crack in a long-term relationship, the people people get divorced after 20 years, Bob. Not sure if you knew that. It, it, it can happen. So when Robert Kraft now is playing meddling owner and calling down to the office and telling Bill what to do football-wise, that's noteworthy, and that's a big deal. Does it mean that they can't fix it? No, but it certainly is noteworthy. Robert Kraft has let Bill Belichick do his thing forever. All the weird things that Bill Belichick has done and gotten away with, Robert Kraft has sat idly by and watched and let happen. Well, not this time, apparently. And that deviation is noteworthy. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We'll get the CBS National News update. We'll get you ready for Red Sox-Yankees. And then Xander Bogarts, if he leaves the Red Sox, we now know... Who might be interested? That's next. 3026. Now it's back with Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. A couple of minutes left here on the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I really do remind you and, and ask you to subscribe to our podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at WDEVradio.com. You get our podcast delivered every single day right to your right to your podcast feed. It is free. All of our interviews are there. We got some interviews that we don't play on the show that are you know that are up on the podcast channel. We spoke to Chris Price of the Boston Globe yesterday about the Patriots. That interview didn't air on this show, but it is on our podcast channel. So if you are not subscribing, this is my personal plea to you to get you to do it. Our podcast numbers are huge. They're very good. This is not me soliciting because I'm desperate. This is just me saying, hey, our team does a lot of work to put this show together, and we do a lot of work behind the scenes, and we want all that work heard. So um, that's you know that that's our goal, to get as much of our stuff heard as possible by you. A lot of it's on the air. Some of it is on just the podcast channel. The Red Sox lineup's coming up here momentarily. Sox and Yankees, first of two from Fenway. News came out today that if Xander Bogarts hits the open market, which he's expected to, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be very interested in paying Bogarts. And what's the connection here? Dave Dombrowski is the connection here. Dave Dombrowski is the GM of the Phillies. He was the GM of the Red Sox when Bogey and company won a World Series in 2018. So there's a relationship there between Bogarts and Dombrowski. I don't know how their personal relationship is, and I won't speculate. All I do know is that Xander Bogarts clearly knows that Dave Dombrowski values winning. Right? I am Bloom values winning also. But Hyam Bloom is more about a long play. Dave Dombrowski is about here and now, right? Look, he left the Red Sox organization in tatters when it comes to the farm system, but he won the World Series. He's looking to do the same thing in Philadelphia. They've paid Bryce Harper. 
They've got Reese Hoskins. They've got a youngster in Alec Bohm who's a pretty good player. they got Aaron Nola. Like, the Phillies are a team that should be winning, and they're going to go to the playoffs this year. They're paying JT Real Muto, so they're already paying big, big pieces, right? The Phillies have historically paid well, and they might look to pay Xander Bogarts too. So it is, I mean, this would be a real concern if I were a Red Sox fan. Dave Dombrowski's not shy about throwing money around. Dave Dombrowski is clearly known as a guy who likes to win and who values winning. And for Xander Bogarts, a guy who is a veteran, Xander Bogarts doesn't really care about your five-year plan. Xander Bogarts cares about winning this year. And he looks at Philly and he sees JT Real Muto and he sees Aaron Nola and he sees uh, Reese Hoskins and he sees Bryce Harper, then... I'd be, I'd be, he sees Kyle Schwarber, who he paid, Nick Castellanos, who he paid. Like, the list goes on. Dave Dombrowski will spend and will spend big to win. And he doesn't care about the, 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 the tax ramifications. And he doesn't care about the, the, the farm system. If I were a Red Sox fan, I would be, I would be nervous about this. Yes, I would be very nervous about this. That, you know, there's a relationship. Dombrowski has one and he doesn't seem to care about the ramifications of the spending that he does. Yankees 85 and 56, Sox 69 and 72. Garrett Cole goes for the pinstripes 11 and 7, Nick Pavetta 9 and 11 for your Sox. Aaron Judge leads off in center, Giancarlo Stanton's the DH, Glaber Torres is at second. Josh Donaldson's at third, Oswaldo Cabrera is in right. Miguel Andujar is in left. Isaiah Conner-Falefa is at short. Jose Trevino is the catcher. And Marwin Gonzalez is at first. It's a Yankees lineup that's kind of in tatters right now when you see you know, no Anthony Rizzo out here. Aaron Hicks has been sent to oblivion, it appears. Tommy Pham leads off for the Sox. Alex Verdugo is in right. Bogarts is at short. Devers at third. J.D. Martinez, the DH. Christian Arroyo is at second. Tristan Casas is at first. Kike Hernandez is at center, and Reese McGuire is the catcher. He bats ninth. No Trevor Story in this one. He's day-to-day right now with a nagging injury. Tom Karen of, of uh, Nesson with us tomorrow on the Brady Farkas Show at 545. We'll talk a little more about the Xander Bogarts rumors at the, uh, the potential, or for the possibility, rather, to the Philadelphia Phillies. Sox baseball is next. This is the Brady Farkas Show on DEV.